I've seen firsthand in my career the lack of leadership training in IT and other technical disciplines. The most logical thing to me was to help organizations develop better leadership skills inside their IT team. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. For any leader, but especially an IT leader, being a part of a vibrant community is vitally important. A strong IT community of your peers provides many benefits, not the least of which is the comfort that you're not facing the many challenges alone. Our conversation today is going to be a little bit different from some of our past discussions. Our guest today is Doug Thies. Doug and I both founded networking groups for the IT community here in central Indiana. We're going to talk about why we started our respective groups the value provided to our members, and why you should find a group in your area or start one. So welcome to the show, Doug. Thanks, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. I've been listening to the podcast and really like your content. Well, thanks for that. Glad to hear you're a listener. So, Doug, let's attack this thing, uh, this conversation chronologically. And I thought I'd lead with the story of the Indie CIO Network and how that eventually led to the creation of the IT Leaders Group that you founded. Yes. Uh, so in, in 2010 or 2011, thereabouts, I'd been a CIO for, I guess, four or five years by then, and there weren't any... CIO networking groups or roundtables. There'd been a couple in the area, but they'd kind of faded away as the leadership of those groups moved on. They just fell into disarray and eventually no attendance whatsoever. I was sitting at a table at a fundraising dinner for a local nonprofit with three or four other people who also were CIOs, and we really enjoyed the table talk. So we, we agreed to grab lunch in a few weeks and talk shop. We had such a great conversation at that lunch, someone suggested that we should do it again. I stupidly raised my hand uh, and said, I'll set it up. Uh, and I've been raising my hand now for about nine years. <laughs> uh, but what started as five or six at a lunch has grown into a vibrant community of over 200 IT leaders. And as we were talking about how do we begin to help that next generation of IT leader and what we could be doing to help develop them? We battered around a lot of ideas, but didn't really settle on a strategy. Uh, enter our guest, Doug. Uh, Doug and I were having lunch and we were talking about this very topic. So Doug, why don't you pick up the story from here? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Let me give a quick amount of background. I too have been doing IT for many years, 35 to be exact, here in Indianapolis, and have been on both sides of the desk, both a, a service provider and an individual contributor and a leader over the course of my career. Uh, I joined uh, my company, Expedient, about four years ago. They hired me for uh, an interesting reason. They really wanted me to share the why of Expedient with the Indiana market in a way uh, that was really up to me. And it's really to help IT leaders 
supercharge their organizations and their careers with flexible, highly business aligned IT infrastructures. So the challenge was super exciting, but I really didn't know what I was going to do to make this happen. I knew that bringing value first was important. I think bringing something valuable to an IT community is the best way to build trust and to get known in that community. I also knew that highly aligned IT requires great leadership along with great infrastructure and great application development. Amen. Amen. Most IT leaders, I start every meeting uh, saying most IT leaders have been promoted from stellar individual contributors to some level of incompetence as a leader. And uh, <laughs> yeah, most of them know it. I mean, yeah, we're smart yeah. people. We know, uh, we know that we're better at the tech than the people. I've seen firsthand in my career the lack of leadership training in IT and other technical disciplines. So, you know, the question, what value could I bring? The most logical thing to me was to help organizations develop better leadership skills inside their IT team. Now, you already had the CIO network going, and it's a, it was a great group when I came to talk to you and we had yep. lunch that day. Right. So my goal was to talk to you about this hallucination I had of creating a secondary leadership group for directors, managers, VPs, anybody who was in a leadership position that wasn't necessarily the IT leader in an organization. So you and I had lunch. We talked about this idea and you mentioned to me that the CIO network had identified a similar need, but no one had really stepped up to do anything. So I suggested to you, if you remember, that I spend that summer, the summer of 2016, interviewing CIOs, right, uh, right. IT leaders and directors. You introduced me to the group through your uh, mailing list and through one of the meetings, one of the lunch meetings. You spread the word for me. So during that summer, I interviewed about 25 CIOs and IT directors, depending on what their title was for the IT leader. And I also interviewed um, about a dozen second level directors. You know, it was funny. Everybody loved the idea. To a person, everybody loved the idea. But what came out of those interviews was critical. It was three main wants came out of that. And it was networking because a lot of the right. older directors said that many of their younger people, uh, their idea of asking for help was to type a question into Google. And... <laughs> And they never had any face-to-face -face networking experience. Most people go in and get their work done and go home. And then the other two topics were a platform for mentorship and then intentional learning about leadership skills. So right, right. that really helped, I think, um, coalesce a direction for the group. Um, and then we came back in September. I visited the CIO network again, and I recommended we launch in January of 2017 is the Indy IT Directors Council, which was a free peer group for IT leaders that had direct reports. That was the criteria. Right. And uh, we decided to meet bi-monthly. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in a bit. But we launched then and we've been going up and running for two and a half years. Let me just say that the CIO network was critical in getting it off the ground. And it really helped us understand that we were focused on these, these directors and managers and people with potential to lead. Uh, many, many folks send their individual contributors. 
We make the meeting off limits to vendors and service providers unless they manage direct reports on their team. They have to show up as a leader and not be predatory or salesy or pitchy in that meeting. Um, and then CIOs and VPs are welcome. Many come to hear featured speakers. Right, they do. And you've actually spoken at the at the group as well. Yeah, I think one of the cool things uh, about the the two groups uh, you you touched on, Doug, was the mentoring opportunities, and that some of the members of the indie CIO group serve as mentors for some of the folks in your group, and and the feedback that I've heard from that has been that the CIO gets as much out of that relationship as uh, perhaps the mentee uh, gets out of that. Have you kind of seen that same thing with that mentor-mentee relationship with the groups? T totally agree. We built a very simple structure for the mentorship, and I've got to give Frank Halawick, one of the local CIOs at the time, credit for helping us build something that was simple and effective. We basically got about a dozen CIOs who are willing. We created a one sheet that included their LinkedIn profile URL and set a bunch of rules of engagement. Basically, your responsibility as a mentee was to put your vision of a career path on paper to get your LinkedIn profile updated and then to reach out to one of the mentors on LinkedIn um, and the agreement was to meet three times, to have three dates, to see if you connected well with each other. And there was no further commitment beyond that unless you mutually agreed to do that. And it was a little slow on the uptake at the very beginning. But now we have, I have probably four people per meeting ask for the rules of engagement and are getting oh, wow. involved. And we've expanded the the mentorship list as well. It's been really cool to watch that. And I've gotten great feedback. I've uh, one of one of the local CIOs, he was mentoring two at once. And it was fascinating to hear how positive one of the relationships with and the other one uh, was more of a gripe session from his mentee on <laughs> how the world was against them. So, um, you know, fascinating, like always, there's always the, you know, attitudes and changes. But I think it's a critical piece of the puzzle, the mentorship program. I do too. And I know that was a large part of our conversation that first day when we were talking about the need to bring that next generation of leader along. Now you talked a little bit about the structure of your group and the, and the membership for the listeners, the Indie CIO network, we've defined our membership and, and quite honestly, it's evolved over time, but our membership is defined as a CIO or senior IT leader. Specifically on the senior IT leader, what we're looking for is the top person in IT at a particular company or location of a company. They may not have the title CIO, they may be a VP, they may be a director, but they're kind of that, that top person. And then we implemented what I jokingly call the Jeff Tun rule. Uh, so several years ago, I moved to the dark side and became a vendor. Uh, after spending 35 years in, in corporate IT. And uh, so we implemented the Jeff Tun rule, which is, hey, if you're a vendor and you used to be a CIO, you can still be in the group. I think really what the deal was, they didn't want to run the group. They still needed me to do it. So they allowed me in. But anyway, the, the point was the, the membership evolved and grew 
your structure started out managers, directors, and at first you were no vendors, and now you've changed that a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about what led you to tweak that or make that change, Doug? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, The vendors who attend are typically leaders in their organizations who have direct reports, who quite honestly have the same problems that all the other attendees have. They've got human factors and human issues involved in the leadership of people, and they're trying to get better at that. In addition, I also include a couple of recruiters who I trust because many people who attend are in transition. They're in between roles and are looking for opportunities. So those people are well-behaved recruiters and um, staff people, and uh, they can help the folks in the meeting. But that's really about the limit. Um, We added a, we've had a lot of interest from vendors, of course. You know, a a vendor sees it as a target-rich environment, I think is the term that I hear most often. Uh So we added a vendor education series last year and hold that now on the off month in the same morning time slot uh, as what used to be the director's council and is now called IT Leaders. But we really make them focus on an educational approach. Um, right. I think you've experienced many of those devolve into a sales pitch and nobody yes. wants yes. that. I mean, right. it just doesn't make any sense. So we're very careful. We had a design thinking session early in the year. Um, I presented with a couple of other vendors on the perils of data hoarding. Uh, we, <laughs> we, we presented on you know the data governance issues from a number right, of different right. perspectives because these are universal problems. So absolutely, yeah, we're yeah. we're still pretty careful on the vendor side, and I get a few who try to sneak in, and I I unfortunately have to call them and let them know the honest truth. But uh, most are pretty willing um, to absolutely. Yeah. So so the structure of your meetings are a, a little bit different than uh, the NDCIO network. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you've structured the meetings and um, what your members feel like they get out of the various types of meetings that you have. Yeah, that too has changed over time. We originally started as a morning meeting, 8 to 9.30 in the morning. We feed them a little bit of breakfast from a great caterer here in town called Jonathan Birds. We let them network for about 20, 30 minutes. And I have announcements. And then we do, uh, we had one guest speaker, a CIO guest speaker who could talk about their trials and tribulations on the people side. I actually recommend that they don't talk about technology other than the context of what they're talking about, because this is focused on leadership. Right. Um, that, that first year in September, Gartner had volunteered. They're, they're trying to uh, get more into the mid-market. So they had called asking how they could help. And I asked them to send an analyst to speak. So we crammed two speakers in the September 2017 meeting, and it worked great. Um, The half hour apiece for the two speakers, I think, actually worked better than a single speaker. And what's the old preacher's axiom? The mind can only stand what the butt can handle. Right, Um, right. So 30, (laughs) 30 minutes is a long enough sermon for most everybody. And by having two topics... One, one is now a leadership topic, and then the second one is the guest CIO speaker. So it's given us a lot of latitude and allowed us to cover a lot more ground. 
We've also added a few other things. Uh, I talk about the mentorship program in the announcements. They have about 30 minutes to network now. And as you said, you know, I've heard networking called misery loves company and, and many, right. uh, many IT people have never networked before. And they're surprisingly gregarious and outgoing in the networking setting. It's been a real joy to watch that. I also have, I cross promote other events. There's a million meetups in town. I have a have a position and need a position section that people can shout out if they're looking or if their organization has a position. We have commercials. Alex Perry, who is on your uh, podcast, she's done a short commercial during my announcements on presence. Um, We're really trying to give them a lot of information and a lot of diversity. Uh, We also stood up a private LinkedIn group. I know you use a listserv rather than that. Right. And, you know, you and I are old enough to know what a listserv is. If for, <laughs> it's actually Google Groups. Come on. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm more modern than a listserv. <laughs> for, for those of you, yeah, for those of you who are under the age of 30, a listserv is a mailing list. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we do that. I used a private LinkedIn group, so I just didn't have anything too complex to maintain. You know, a lot of the, as you know, a lot of the mechanics of this are the hard part, staying in oh, touch yeah, with yeah. people and recruiting speakers. So, you know, I tried to structure the thing as, as easily as possible and that's evolved over time. And yeah, one more thing. We also started a separate pay to participate boot camp um, during the first year. And we're just starting our fifth cohort of that. It's a very short, very inexpensive 16 hours of content spread over four sessions it's really a leadership 101 class that's more formalized. The great Lou Russell here in Indianapolis, she has been teaching for decades here. She runs that group and she and I hammered out the curriculum. And um, that has been, I think, extremely valuable for the attendees uh, as well. Yeah, the feedback on that has just been uh, been phenomenal uh, as I talk to, to people and uh, uh, I actually had one of my team members go through that, I think, in the first cohort, or maybe it was the second. But... It was the first, yeah. David. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, so the, the Indie CIO network is structured a, a little bit differently. Um, uh, I like to call it uh, informal. Uh, so we, we really, that first time we got together, what we really enjoyed was the conversation amongst ourselves, that table talk kind of thing. So what we structured was a lunch that's basically informal dialogue around a specific topic. For example, you know, we gather about 1130, we network for about 15 minutes, we do 15 minutes of announcements, we place our orders for lunch, then we sit down and sometimes it's as simple as I say, okay, today's topic is social media. Do you allow your employees to use it inside the walls of your company or not? Boom, that's it. And the conversation just goes organically uh, from there. And so the, the topics might be social media, might be security, might be leadership related. We did one on strategic planning and cloud. Um, but the beauty of it is this group just loves to talk and share ideas. What's working for you? What's not working for you? What? Uh, how did you attack this problem? And because it's not industry specific, nor is it really size specific, you get this interesting cross section 
of this conversation around these topics. Now, over the years, I started inviting in guest facilitators. Again, they're not doing a presentation. They're guiding a discussion on a particular topic, uh, whether that's Jason Barnaby talking about um, uh, fire starters and tribe. You know, we've had, uh, well, Alex, who you mentioned earlier, uh, has come and done uh, a talk with our group or a dialogue with our group on presence. So it's that really that informal conversation about the topic that I think makes this group a little bit different than most. Um, I think what they really like is the networking, the conversations between the people. Uh, someone will make a comment about a particular topic, and I can see them after the meeting uh, huddling up and, and going deeper on it and exchanging phone numbers so that they could talk further. I think that's the, the format that this group really likes is that conversation uh, and, and dialogue. So as you talk to your members, Doug, what are some of the tangible benefits that, that they're getting for being a part of that group? Carving out two or three hours for a morning networking group such as yours or, or a lunch networking group such as mine is a big time commitment. So what are they getting? Yeah, great question. The most common thing I hear is perspective. They get an understanding that they're not in it alone, first off, that many people have the same issues that they have. Uh, they get to know other people who are doing um, similar work. And while, you know, I think your format is ideal for the IT leaders, I think that collegial nature of it is, is nearly perfect for that specific group. And I've seen relationships develop inside of my group more on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, they're not having those conversations in my meeting, but I see them uh, following up with each other and I hear about them following up on topics that have interested them and challenges that they have. I think they get the chance to hear about the trials and tribulations of the CIO job. Many Many have a vision of becoming the IT leader in their organization. I've had two in particular that I can think of who uh, have told me separately that after attending IT leaders for a couple of years, they're pretty convinced they don't want to be a CIO anymore. <laughs> and uh, and they're scared just, away. Oh my gosh, they're just fine with the. Uh, you know, with the uh, boots on the ground role of director or manager, because they're a little bit closer to what it interests them. And I right. think that's, I think that's super valuable to get some clarity. I think most CIOs these days are a combination of attorneys and psychologists um, having to deal with contracts and having to deal with the broad people issues, talent management, that sort of thing. So that isn't necessarily attractive, but to get some real world um, experience with actual leaders and what the good part of their job is and what the bad part is, I think has been super valuable. I also think that exposure to the vendors and the opportunity to get some formalized training, you made a really good point. Um, 
formal curriculum and informal curricula are both valuable. Yes, yes. I think that's what makes both groups work, right? Because I see I see a lot of cross-pollination of, of the two groups based on the topic that we're talking about versus uh, maybe the topic that you've got presenting that month. You'll get people to go to both or go to one or the other and bounce back and forth. And I think it's that difference in format. You need both. You, you need the informal dialogue, but you also need the education and the, the, the presentation style. And I think that's why we end up here in, in Indianapolis having two very successful groups that are really serving the same market, but in different ways. Yeah, it's fascinating. We've get, we're getting 50 to 70 people showing up every other month. And uh, we've kept it at every other month. I've had some pressure from some of the audience to go more often because they enjoy the group so much. But I think there's some value in scarcity. And, you know, it's hard. We we use a lot of the same speakers. A lot of your facilitators are the same folks I use. If I hear good feedback on content, I'll bring the same people in to speak to the uh, directors and the managers. We're bringing uh, Bell Tech Logics in. They're going to be talking about a, a similar presentation as the metrics presentation that they did oh, for the CIO yeah, network. That was very well received. Yeah. And, you know, some vendors are better at that than others. And, you know, we need to take advantage of the ones who are really community minded. So we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the gap that existed in the market and why we formed these groups in the first place and, and some of the benefits that the members get from attending for our listeners out there that don't have an IT community that they're a part of today, what are your thoughts on how they can find these groups in their area? Well, Meetup and Eventbrite are probably the starting points. You know, maybe Facebook, I guess, too, if the group advertises. Chances are in your town, there are a few meetups or Eventbrite events that are focused on particular IT disciplines, but that's not always the case. I mean, it depends on where you live and who's done what they need to do. I really think that, uh, you know, if you see value in it and you're thinking about it, maybe consider being the one to start your own. It's critical to have a leader with authentic love for the community in order for this stuff to work. Yeah. Yeah. Your group couldn't work without you. My group couldn't work without me launching it. So that's right. Well, and that's I, I was going to ask about uh, about starting their own and what you thought the secret sauce was. And I think you're exactly right. You have to have somebody uh, or some ones that are passionate about the IT community and and to be able to create this environment that's not it's not competition. <laughs> It's cooperation. It's about the community of IT, right? It's not, we're, we're all in this together, no matter what industry we're in, no matter what size of our organization, we experience a lot of the same challenges. And it, and it, it really does take that energy uh, of someone to drive the group forward. I will say, I finally got to the point four or five years ago where I, I reached out to a couple members of the group and formed a board to help make decisions about which direction we wanted to take the group, what types of things we wanted to do. And uh, one of them, uh, Glenn Keller, who I know you know, has stepped up and he handles all of our sponsored vendor dinner events uh, that we do. And that's taken a huge load off. I would encourage our listeners that if you don't have a group or the groups in your town 
don't quite meet your needs, think about the formats that Doug and I have talked about today, which one or which ones might be good for your community and just start. We started, as I said, four or five people having lunch. Uh, and then the next lunch, somebody said, well, you should invite so-and-so. And then the next lunch, invite so-and-so. And we grew organically. We don't advertise. It's just by word of mouth. It's by referral. Uh, we've grown from that start to we usually have 30 people attend our lunches, uh, sometimes a little bit more. Our dinner events are between oh, 25 and 50, depending on the topic. So, So I encourage you to think about starting. And if you'd like to talk to Doug or I about that, feel free to reach out and we'll talk about the format and how we did it and, and what things went into it and go into a little more detail. But Doug, we've covered a lot of ground today. What didn't we talk about? Are there things that uh, we skipped over that our, our listeners really need to hear about these IT community groups? I think there's a couple of mechanical issues that are super important um, as they are considering standing up their own. Um, you've got a couple of choices. You can start a community group or you can build an IT leadership track in your own organization. If you're focused on leadership, that's actually a great place to start. We've had two of our regular attendees, Mike Loggins, SMC Corporation, who is recently on your podcast. Right. And uh, Mike Eaton over at Genesis, they've stood up really on their own with uh, help of the organization, IT leadership programs inside of their four walls. Uh, and it's been very powerful. I think it's really helping them identify better leaders and do better work internally. If you are considering doing a community based thing, first of all, the first thing you need to do is ask your community what they need. Uh, yeah, you yeah. did it. You did it across the table. I did it with interviews. Right. Uh, you established a need. I think you have to have a very clear atomic purpose. Mine's leadership. Yours is the IT leader and making sure that there's open dialogue from that. It needs to be clear what the purpose is or people won't show up. Um, I think I think as you define needs, you need to be open to both the rational and the emotional issues that the community cares about. Being a good leader is one thing. Protecting your career and worried about losing your job is more of a, an emotional issue than a rational issue oftentimes. So I think both of those need to be addressed equally. You know, you've got to ask yourself how you're going to choose topics and how you're going to recruit speakers. Your community will tell you what the topic should be. And you right, need to stay in right. contact with them. Where will you meet? How are you going to fund the meeting if it needs funding? How are you going to facilitate communication, the listserv or the LinkedIn group or, you know, some like the Ohana app that Seaspring runs here locally, a community communication app. A lot of those logisticals, right. how does the mailing list work? How do you keep in contact with people? The devil is in the details, and a lot of those details can make or break a good group. You can have great content, and if you can't tell people where the meeting is. <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that's true. That's a great point. Those details are important. So if you've got one key takeaway for our audience or, or two, what should they do differently tomorrow, Doug? I would say I would say really try to understand what whatever community you're addressing, try to understand what how you can best serve them by asking many, many, many questions. 
as I said, the emotional versus the rational, help them understand if it's leadership centric, find out what their worst day is. I always ask the CIOs to talk about their worst cringeworthy failures. And <laughs> that's what sticks with people. It, it matters because everybody runs into those issues, whether it's a difficult conversation with an employee that you've thrown way too much fear around to do a good job with, or um, I, I think that's critical. And and you've got to have the heart for it. You've got to, it has been so personally rewarding. You and I have talked about this. Oh, yes, absolutely. It, it has been so personally rewarding. So you've got to be wired to lead a group like this. And a lot of it is standing in the background. A lot of it is the dirty logistical stuff and, and not getting in the way of the group doing good work. I mean, this is not about Doug Thies or Jeff Tun. It's about the group. Yeah, there's a lot of times I kick off the discussion uh, at the lunch, and that's the last thing I say. Right. Because it's it's watching the dialogue and it's letting people experience that. And I know yours is the same way. You'll do the kickoff. But from that point on, it's really the group. It really um, is. It, it takes it from there. Yeah. You know, I've had the luxury of a benefactor with Expedient allowing me to spend my time and their money working on this community. A benefactor is nice, but it's not critical. Right. And you'd be surprised. I mean, there's a couple of philanthropic organizations in town who are perfectly willing to sponsor groups without any expectation of advertising or recognition in return. Um, so if you can, if you find somebody, if you run across somebody like that, I would encourage you to do it because it allows you to solve some logistical problems uh, much easier. I think meeting the same place every time is valuable. Just some of the simple stuff. Right, um, right. You know, a lot of people want to move around and it just makes it difficult for everybody. Yeah, we, we tried that. We tried moving around and it, you're right. It just made it difficult to let people know where it was. And quite frankly, it was a lot harder on uh, on me to try to schedule and, and get it going. You touched on another point, another difference between our two groups that I, that I want to point out to our listeners that might be considering doing this. We don't charge a fee. Um, nor do we have a, a benefactor, as Doug mentioned, our total dues for our group is you have to buy your own lunch once a month. <laughs> that has enabled us to really do this thing on a shoestring, right? Uh, uh, other than a Google Groups account, that's been about it. And um, it, it served us well. There's some things that I would like to be able to do with the group that we really can't because we don't have a budget. But we make we make it do uh, w without having a, a membership fee. So don't let that discourage you from starting a group that you don't have the funding to do it. You can really, you can really do one of these groups pretty inexpensively given all the social media tools that are that are available these days. Well, and you're standing up a formal leadership program too, so you're really addressing kind of both the formal and the informal curriculum. Um, and I think that's great. I think, you know, the, from what I've seen, the agenda that you've got for that nine month leadership program looks really positive and it's way more in depth than my leadership 101 class and, and the market. Yeah, I'm excited that. about putting it together. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually standing up. We're working on a second community now for local IT service providers. We've, we've had uh, such good luck with, the uh, with IT leaders that we're putting together a, uh, a group for local IT service providers and, and 
Uh, most of them have worked together at some point in their careers. So getting absolutely, it's yeah. a, a networking, it's a drinking group with a networking problem, you could say. <laughs> but uh, That's right. we've had one meeting and it's been really fun and really interesting. So I'm a big believer in the community and I'm uh, very appreciative that uh, you had me on and I'm appreciative to Expedient for letting me have so much fun and getting so much personal reward um, by putting this thing together. It is fun and it is rewarding. And and Doug, as always, whenever you and I sit down to talk, I enjoy it so much and I learn uh, so much. So thank you very much for for being on our show today. I really appreciate it. I, I think our listeners heard a lot of good ideas about the IT community, how to build one, uh, how to find one within your own community. For our listeners out there, if you want to get in touch with Doug or I and, and